Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. While we typically look at the movies over this short podcast series, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and myself will take a look at the series Loki. While not technically a movie, it's streaming on the Disney platform, so that's close enough. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy. In this episode, we look at episode five, Journey into Mystery. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for another episode of Loki. Today, it's episode five, Journey into Mystery. In this story, Renslayer tells Sylvie Loki that she was teleported to the void, a dimension at the end of time where everything the TVA prunes is dumped into and from which nothing has returned. They also deduce that the TVA's creator is hiding in the timeline beyond the void. TVA mascot and Megan favorite, Miss Minutes, stalls for time as the TVA troops around Sylvie, who prunes herself. After interrogating B-15, Renslayer attempts to reach the TVA's creator. Meanwhile, the other Loki variants tell Loki that a massive cloud-like creature, the Alioth, hunts and kills any life form in the void. Mobius saves Sylvie from the Alioth, and boastful Loki betrays the other Lokis for a second Loki group, which (laughs) dissolves in some of the most delicious fighting you will ever see in an MCU movie. Classic Loki Loki helps Alligator Loki, Kid Loki, and Loki escape and eventually meet Mobius and Sylvie. After Mobius returns to the TVA using a temp pad Sylvie had previously stolen, she attempts to enchant Elioth but fails to until Classic Loki distracts it with an illusion of Asgard, sacrificing himself into the process. Together, Loki, Sylvie, and the successfully enchanted Alioth find a citadel beyond the void and walk towards it. So, Megan, were there any... uh, First of all, uh, what did you think about the storyline? I thought it was good. Um, After I wrapped my head around the um, multiple Lokis and all of the variants, that that took me a minute. Um, But I I thought this was a really good episode. It was really exciting. And it was so visually interesting because there were so many little things in it. So we had uh, lots of cookies here. Uh, mm-hmm. The episode's title is a reference to the comic series in which Marvel's uh, version of Thor and Loki made their de- debuts in 1962. As the Lokis go to their hideout, they pass the wreckage of the Thanos copter. Uh, that glorious vehicle was <laughs> used by the mad Titan as he tried to get a cosmic cube in a 1970s comic. Um, President Loki is a reference to a vote Loki, a comic storyline I was not aware of, but satirized the U.S. presidential election 
from 2016. And one of the most interesting cross-cultural references was a naval ship drops into the Alios path. It's the USS Eldridge, which was in service during World War II. It's the, it was the center of the Navy's alleged 1943 Philadelphia experiment in which it was rendered invisible and teleported according to what seems to have been a post-war hoax. But maybe that's not the case. Uh, we're going to talk about, I think, at some length, um, the recreation of Asgard and classic Loki, but um, the palace in Asgard uh, is the same shape as, Megan, you have to tell us the name <laughs> of the cathedral in Reykjavik. The, the, the closest I can come is Helgrimskirkja Cathedral in Reykjavik. Okay. Uh, I, I'd never noticed it in any of the other, not in any of the Thor, the Avengers movies, until classical Loki was pulling up and I was just like, Hey, I've seen that before. Uh, and it, it's exactly the same shape, uh, which I thought was really cool. So there's a Canadian connection. So why don't you tell us the Canadian cookie? Yes. And well, this one was uh, when they are again, walking um, towards the hideout or maybe from the hideout and they're passing these big heads kind of half in the ground. There's a statue just like that in a town in Canada, uh, in Alberta called Canmore. Um, Canmore is a, uh, kind of transliteration of the Scottish Gaelic big head. Um, so there is a uh, statue like that there. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, and then I think one of the kind of most pointed references was a conversation between Sylvie and Renslayer when they're talking about finding the man behind the curtain. That was very much a Wizard of Oz reference, which I also appreciated. And the cathedral looked a little like the Wizard of the Emerald City Palace as well. And just to show you that I'm not a personal cultural wasteland, <laughs> I would also add that Canmore is the home of the Canadian cross-country ski team, and I have skied Canmore. So oh, that's fine. Uh, there's even Tom Fox angle. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. There was so much going on here. It, it was almost overwhelming, particularly with all of the Lokis um, and all of the things in the background going on. So maybe we could start with uh, the betrayal um, by the loudmouth Loki. Uh, and <laughs> after having bragged that he destroyed uh, Captain Marvel and, uh, uh, excuse me, Captain America and collected all of the Infinity Stones, uh, none of which were correct, um, he betrays the, uh, the other Lokis. And at first, I th well, I guess I thought immediately, yeah, that's exactly what he would do. And it kind of went downhill from there. What, what did you think about that first scene when all of the Lokis showed up? I, I thought it was great. I, I liked kind of the, the original, we'll call them, I guess, Loki Prime, maybe, um, just watching the other Lokis appear and start to fight and behave exactly how he would ask. And you could, like, see the empathy for his brother and the Avengers growing in his face. And he's just like, really? That's that's what I made them deal with? This is what I'm like? Uh, I, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> he's just like, this is horrible. I'm horrible. <laughs> So self-awareness comes to even to a Loki, huh? I think so. I think so. And I, th oh, I think we're going to see that more with classic Loki, too. Right. So uh, what did you feel like when Sylvie and Mobius appeared? Very pure happiness. Very, very pure happiness. Especially Mobius coming up in the car to collect uh, Sylvie in, in the void. That, that was a good moment. And I love that he's fully on their team now. Uh, I that was that was a really nice moment in the series so far. I knew they wouldn't get him out right. completely. That man hasn't gotten a jet ski yet. <laughs> Is he going to jet ski off into the sun? Someone's got to give that man a jet ski. 
so um, I had remembered that Sylvie, I thought Sylvie gave Loki the time portal and he gave it to Mobius. Is that not correct? Was it a different order? I thought Sylvie had taken the Tempad from Renslayer, tried to give it to Loki, and Loki says, no, I'm saying, tried to give it to classic Loki. Loki said, no, this is my place now. They ended up giving it to Mobius, who happily wants to burn the TVA down. Okay. Okay, so he's uh, clearly off. We're going to see him again. But now let's get to Alioth. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that Mm -hmm. right. But Sylvia's uh, connection with him, uh, even if I could have another cross-cultural reference, a Vulcan mind meld. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was uh, going to be very powerful. But frankly, I was not prepared for the distraction, and it was a <laughs> hell of a distraction, that classic Loki did. So can you maybe describe that setting and then we can see if we can recreate just how powerful that was for oh. our our own visual experiences. Absolutely, because that that was a great moment visually and musically. Oh, the music was good. So they're they're in the dark void, coming up on the huge cloud that is Alieth, and they're ready to try and make the attempt. Loki has the fire blade, um, despite having been told earlier that they were not particularly useful uh, in the face of Loki magic. Tries to distract Alioth while Sylvie is trying to use her. Loki magic to enchant the beast, um, but it's not going well. Ilyath is not fooled by the distraction of, of flame sword wielding Loki. Goes to start trying to devour Sylvie, which he probably would have done, but then the music comes up. Uh, and it's Flight of the Valkyries, and then classic Loki is from the ground pulling a projection of the entirety of Asgard, uh, which obviously gets Elioth's attention, uh, and he goes to try and eat it, and it starts to fade away in front of him. Uh, it, you've absolutely hit it spot on, and but even with that, I don't think it really recreates just how powerful it was. And uh, for those of us who are, you know, full aficionados of the MCU to see Asgard again is just incredibly special and incredibly moving. And to see classic Loki recreate it. Uh, A couple of things though. One, I had no idea Loki's had that kind of power Mm -hmm. and our Loki from the MCU certainly never displayed that type of power. Certainly he did have powers, and he did use them, but this was an incredible amount of power and an incredible use of power. And I don't know if if classic Loki was self-aware that he had that power or just thought, this is it. I have to do this for my brother. Um, you know, one last stand, whatever it may have been. So uh, I, I was really fascinated by that question as well. And and then you posed the question that that really struck me which was uh, it was classic Loki that got away from uh, Mm -hmm. Thanos and he got away from Thanos uh, by making himself a projection so that Thanos killed the projection. And then he hid hid in debris and um, trailed off uh, in outer space until he found a planet and was marooned on that planet. Um, We can talk about what happened after he was marooned, but, um, that really explained a lot, and I had never even thought Loki had that kind of power. Do you see something new or different in classic Loki, or um, has he had this these powers all along in your mind? I think that's kind of one of the big 
themes of the episode. Because um, I think classic Loki was aware he had that kind of power. He had all those extra years to think about it and to develop it and to practice. And I think Sylvie knew it because she was using so much more magic, trying to evade the TVA for so many years. And I think it's kind of kind of main Loki that never really had the opportunity or the need to explore the full depth of his powers. Um, and I think seeing these other Lokis with them has really made him aware of the fact that he does have this much power, godlike power. Um, and I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, just because that it always was possible. He just never had reason to do it before, but other Lokis did. Um, what about the, um, now let's go to the planet he's marooned on. He, he, I, I don't want to say maroon because he chose this planet mm-hmm. to hide from the TVA and, uh, or hide from Thanos. Uh, and he gets, uh, actually becomes lonely and he wants to see his brother mm-hmm. Thor. And when he starts to leave that alerts the TVA and that's when they come arrest him. Um, so we have a little more information on, I guess I've always seen him having a love-hate relationship with Thor, but here it makes it clear that if he doesn't love him as a brother, he certainly misses him. And I found that very poignant as well. And then when we couple it with your observation that maybe he's seeing something in these other Lokis that is making him aware how difficult he is to get along with, maybe there's uh, some evolution coming up. But what did you think about the the part of classic Loki story where he missed Thor. Um, I, I thought, I thought that made a lot of sense. Um, especially in sort of the later MCU properties, Loki's not the big tough guy. He pretended to be at the beginning. <laughs> uh, you know, he's kind of a softy deep down, even if, you know, he's kind of a trickster and, and a bit of a jerk. Um, but you know, that family affection was always there. And I think, you, you know, you can very much love your relatives without particularly liking them. Uh, and you can want to see them without really enjoying their company. <laughs> so um, we are uh, closing out episode five, uh, one left. Uh, are any, any uh, and I guess the open question is, who's the puppet master? Who's pulling the strings? Who's Oz? Uh, I've read a lot about that, um, and uh, I guess we probably shouldn't spoil that. But <laughs> well, all, all we have uh, are theories right now. So, what, what, we what's, what's, right what's your now. top theory, Tom? Well, my top theory is more a theory I want, and that theory is Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. I have loved Doctor Doom since the '60s. I loved him when he fought the Fantastic Four. He is, in my mind, the greatest villain. I think Thanos pales besides Dr. Doom. <laughs> so I'm pulling for Dr. Doom. Okay. Although I, I don't think he's the favorite in the clubhouse right now um, because uh, he's really more, um, uh, well, I don't think they've uh, introduced him enough. So who do you think? Well, I, I am starting to think it might be classic Loki. And I mm. think the final showdown might be between three Lokis. And the different aspects of the Loki personality. Right. But again, I'm not as quite as steeped, especially in the, the kind of comic side of the MCU. So I don't have the, the canon. But that's, that's, I think, based on episode five and the little hints that were dropped. Um, and just classic Loki's shout of glorious purpose right at the end. Self-sacrifice, really, for a Loki? Glorious purpose? I don't, I don't quite buy it. So I think there might have been something else going on. 
Well, uh, if you're watching the episode, uh, it will premiere Wednesday. And then uh, thereafter, Megan and I will be back to visit with you. So, Megan, this was deliciously fun, as all of the episodes Mm -hmm. been. I can't wait to see uh, episode six. Me too. Talk to you soon. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance. Megan and I will be reviewing each episode of Loki going forward, so I hope you will join us again for this special episode. If you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe as much as Megan and I do, I know you will enjoy this exploration of Loki going forward. I also hope you will listen to the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network from the Editor's Desk, where I visit with Dave LaForte each month about some of the key stories that have appeared in Compliance Week and will appear, and Dave and I save the world, particularly around the area of sports. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.